everybody. Welcome back. This is the next episode of From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, The Good, The Bad, and The Say What. Today, my special guest is Zach Pritchard, and he is the owner and CEO of All Around Financial Coaching and the host of All Around Wellness Podcast. He is on a passion to destroy self-deception around money and personal growth. Zach, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Good, good, good. So here's the thing, right? You talked about two of my favorite things, money and personal growth, um, which I need help with both. So, um, but this isn't about me. This is about you. So the first thing we're going to do is ask you um, about any type of crazy feedback that you have ever received. It could be personal, it could be professional. And, you know, it would be amazing for me if it happened to tie into maybe like your budgeting practices, but, you know, don't force it if you don't have to, but just tell us, uh, give us some kind of crazy feedback, good, bad, something that makes us go say what, and, and how you had to grow from that. So the, I mean, the two things, the one that, kind of focus on the budget, I guess, is the, you know, feedback from my wife of always getting, you know, the, um, you know, going overdraft in our account in college, like it was just constant, constant. So that was really when I started focusing on the budget and figuring out that piece of it and what I, what got my interest in it. Uh, but the most recent and the most um, dramatic uh, feedback that I got is being fired from my, my first time ever being fired and, uh, it was from a job that I worked five and a half, six years, and I worked very closely with the owner. And so there was a lot of, um, you know, communication lost in that um, process. And so, um, you know, not to go into a long story of it, but it went into a downhill spiral of, you know, now where's I, I lost my value, what I thought I had. And, um, you know, I was always the guy that told everybody, you know, your value is not in the job you have. It's in the, your ability to create an income. And I guess I just kicked that out of my own head. And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't even want to listen to myself. <laughs> uh, and so it took me a while to kind of build that back up in a lot of that communication with myself and evaluation of myself. And um, I actually started writing a book because of that about communication. So um, there's a lot to learn there and there I'm still learning a lot about the communication side of it but it's more from an experience level than anything um just to kind of see how it all ties into each other in that process so yeah no that's that's harsh right um <laughs> especially working for somewhere working somewhere for five years and then just oh by the way thanks but no thanks like yeah. Yeah, like that's definitely some, you know, what did they give you any explanation? Was there like an exit interview? I mean, like, did you, I mean, because I know you said communication is very key. I mean, did they communicate to you at all? Anything of why that may have happened? So there, I mean, there was very vague communication there at the end. So, I mean, I, I made a mistake. I was moving into a full-time sales role and which is where I wanted to go. I, I was really excited about it um, because I mean, I, so I moved into this new role and I, th we, we never had a full-time salesperson. So I was creating a lot of the process, doing a lot of the, the um, grunt work to get it going while training other people in the same, in, at the same time. So there was a lot of lack of communication between me and, and my boss um, in that process. But, um, you know, I, I went to work, you know, Thursday or I think it was Thursday morning and, I realized I made a mistake and I dropped the ball on a contract that we had. It could have been an easy one, but it was still up in the air. Um, and so once I realized I made that mistake, I emailed everybody in the company and um, or the four main people that I, I kind of um, talked to the most. And when, uh, when I did that, um, nobody responded, but my boss called about three o'clock that afternoon, kind of asked me what happened and, kind of went over it and then he just made the comment of, well, oh, I don't know if you're going to be here on Monday. And so I was like, <laughs> um, there was a, a big, like, I mean, I won't, I'm not going to deny it. I got angry at that point and I didn't do anything or say anything, but in my, in my own body, I was just, I was on fire. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I didn't understand 
because it was a guy like I started with this company when there was three of us. It was me, my boss, and another guy, and we I grew it, helped grow it to where we had twelve people, and um, so I worked with him very closely for for that long, and I, it, the trust was gone. Like there was something something was missing there, and and I I tie it a lot back to communication. Like I didn't communicate to him what I was doing um, very well, um, and then he wasn't communicating to me that I wasn't you know, living up to his expectations. And so that's, um, yeah. So the communication was big in that process. And I think if I go, if you, if you could go back and we got a whole nother, um, idea on that hindsight's 2020 kind of concept, but if I could go back, uh, you know, there was a lot of things I could do to, to communicate to him and, and then ask for help. I think that was a big thing for me, but just not asking for that help to, Hey, I'm struggling here. I've never done this before. What, what do I need to do? That type of mentality. But, I um, love that because um, especially as managers of volunteers, we always feel like we have to do it all on our own. And a lot of times we are a department of one. So then we even we feel even more so like we have to do it all on our own. And we're like, I got this. I can do this. You know, I am superhuman. Ah. And then we get to that point where stuff starts falling through the cracks and balls start dropping and then, but we still won't ask for help. And so it's almost that whole, like, um, but then it's like, it's a spiral because kind of like you were talking about, like your, your self-worth starts to go down because you're dropping balls, you're missing deadlines, you're starting to, um, like stuff is starting to fall through the cracks. And then you're like, you start to internalize it. I'm a horrible manager. I can't handle all this. And no, it's not that you can't handle it. You're managing like 300, 400, 500 people in your department of one, and you're not asking for help. Yeah. So, and that could come from who knows, it could come from maybe your boss will be nice enough to get you like a part time helper, or maybe even a full time helper, or maybe somebody else in the organization can help pick up, pick up some slack, but nobody's really going to know until you, you like, you speak up and, and you yeah. ask for help. And there's no shame in that. Like, you don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to feel bad about that. But I feel like a lot of times people will, they're afraid to ask because it might make it seem like, um, like they're incompetent and they can't handle it and they can't do their job and they don't want to lose their job. So, Absolutely. I mean, I think that what you said is, is valued. So let's, let's do this. If you could do it again, and you did have to give your boss feedback in terms of maybe how he was managing you or anything like that. How would you have done it? No, learning. I think, there, learned. I think there'd be a um, kind of a set line of communication there. That's, that's, you know, I guess it's strategic and planned out more than just, Hey, I'm available type of thing. Like, cause I was the same way. I told my guys, Hey, I'm available. Just let me know if you need anything, but you know, we need more accountability than that um, within ourselves. So I think for me, it was, it would be more of, Hey, you know, let's meet once a week, once, once every two weeks, whatever that number is. Um, but there'd be, you know, a couple months before we would even, I mean, we may have a couple phone calls, you know, I mean, a couple discussions on the phone, but we wouldn't meet face to face for two months in my own calendar to say, Hey, I want to, have a conversation with you. Let's sit down every month, every week, whatever he's available for, instead of just having that arbitrary, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm available to you type of thing. And I think that's where a lot of leaders and, and business owners kind of fail, even volunteer owners, especially because you know, in the volunteer world, it's even, it's even harder to um, lay out that communication with the team because they're, you know, they're there on their own time. And so you're trying to, you know, you're battling a whole different animal at that point um, because they're not getting really anything out of it, but maybe some satisfaction. Um, and so, and then you don't really get to choose who you hire, who, you know, what volunteers come in. So um, you're just happy to have bodies and that some of those bodies may not need to be there uh, because of their attitudes and, and stuff. And so it just creates that, that, you know, real issue there. And so that's where I would go back to is just setting that set. Um, everybody's on the same page, like, Hey, we're going to meet every so often, no matter what, like, um, and, and I would do that with my team. I would set up 
you know, not just a team meeting, but specific meetings with my direct um, guys. And I think, you know, you can get into a lot of um, kind of team management, but one person can only manage like five to six, seven guys at a time. Um, if you get more than that, you really start to, you lose track of who they are and what they're about and, and what they have going on in their personal life that's affecting their career and um, kind of go all down that road. So but that yeah. kind of answers yeah. your question a little bit. Yeah, no, no, that was great. Okay. So let me ask you this. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, you know, change gears here. Um, for me personally, right. I love that you're a money guy because if there is, if there's anything that I am not, it is not the money person. Okay. And many, 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 many volunteer managers fall into this position, right? They were happily working in this other department or this other department. And then all of a sudden, now they are responsible for all of these amazing, wonderful people who are giving of their time um, to an organization. And every year or the same time, you know, every year, then all of a sudden their supervisor says, um, I need you to give me your budget predictions for the next fiscal year. And you're like, um, what? <laughs> uh, you know, you're like, wait, I'm living paycheck to paycheck um, with my own bank account. And you want me to manage a budget of six figures? I don't even know what that looks like all at once. You know, I've seen like a one and a two. Like I've seen six figures, but not all in the same line with commas. And <laughs> now I'm expected to budget for a department um, and make sense of that. Like, have you, I mean, I don't know, they, what would you tell somebody? What kind of feedback would you give a manager for the first time who's never grown into that, who doesn't really, you know, maybe doesn't even, you know, balance their checkbook and now they're responsible for this huge budget? Like, what do you do with that? So it's funny you go into that because I have a blog on my website that, that the title is, you know, would you fire you? And <laughs> it's basically talking about like, if, if you are, you, you, if you were a business and you hired yourself to manage your own budget, would you fire you? And so it's basically talking about that. Like, would you um, trust somebody? Like, would you, if you were looking onto this business and they were managing, like you're managing it, you know, would you say, Hey, what are you doing? You're, you're living, you're barely making it every two weeks and you're living paycheck to paycheck, like income to income, whatever that is. And so what, I guess what I would tell them is don't, I mean, you got to start. Yeah. You have this major goal of a hundred thousand dollar budget, but start small. Like and number one, you got to start looking at your own budget because if you can't manage your own, you're going to struggle to manage um, the, the, the big budget. So, I mean, figure out, you know, start small. Like, and I have, I'm kind of building it now, but I'm working on some small um, kind of mini courses to help people change their budget behavior around finances. And so getting out of that living paycheck to paycheck, how do you even start budgeting? And so what I, what I like to focus on is the why, why are you wanting to change your budgeting habits? Like what, what would, what does that picture look like, you know, a year from now when you've actually done some good budgeting? what what good does that but what is what good is budgeting a hundred thousand dollars do for that organization like what is the why behind sticking to that hundred thousand dollar budget and then you kind of go into you know communicate self-communication and this is a kind of a merge and in and out of the the business and the personal finances but a self-communication of kind of what how you think about money and how you think about um, budgeting and that type of thing and the self accountability. Like if I say I'm only going to spend X on groceries or 200 on groceries, can I hold myself to that? And a lot of people can't. And that's the biggest problem is, you know, they may do an overall budget of I'm going to spend 300 on groceries this month. And then they go to the end of the month. They don't have a clue, but if they were to go back and look, they probably spent 600 on groceries. Um, and so, and that's where I start to, I start small. I start with the small, I break that large 
goal down into small increments. And at the very beginning, it's a daily um, thought process. So what do I need to do to today to change my budgeting behavior? And that's, okay, I don't need to go out to eat because that'll bust my budget. I don't need to go to the grocery store for the fifth time this week. Um, and so it's just that, that mentality of you got to talk about what you need to do today because that's, you got to start somewhere. Right. You can't start thinking about the month or the year because that just, that, then you lose hope and you, you don't gain anything. So I think what I would tell them is to break those goals down into weekly, monthly, you know, you know, quarterly goals into that year and say, okay, in this season, we typically spend X on, you know, um, office supplies or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and then in this season, we spend X on, you know, food for caterings or whatever. They, or we're going to look at the, the month because this month maybe you spend 100 on office supplies and next month you're spending 400 on office supplies. So there's a lot of that ebb and flow. And so if you've got any kind of track record, that's what you want to look at. So in my, in my budget course, the, the third lesson is going back to last month and seeing what are you spending on groceries? What are you spending on gas? What are you spending on food uh, or restaurants? Like what are you, what have you spent on in the past? And let's use that to project the future. So that's my, one of my main lessons is trying to figure out and gather data, um, not trying to change a whole lot yet, just trying to understand what's going on um, from that standpoint. So I do the same thing in the, in the big budget. So, and, and don't even look at like the, the large number, like cut the zeros off, make it a hundred bucks. And what, what would you do? You know? Um, and just, just cut those zeros down. So it doesn't seem so overpowering in your, in your plan. I love that. I love that because, um, so I mean, what I'm hearing, like if it's, let's just say I'm a new volunteer manager or maybe if I've been in it for a while and numbers just are not my thing. Cause I mean, there's a lot of things I'm really good at numbers is just not it. And I like what you said, looking at that track record, what I could have learned if in my first or second year in the position, I just went to my finance or the accounting team and was like, can you run me what was spent the year before and the breakdown of what it was spent on? Because then I can look at, and like you said, I can look at what happened in the past and be like, oh, well, maybe in this month, we typically have this larger event. So we need to budget larger during this month and then you know in two or three other months because we don't have that event we don't have to budget as much that whole kind of thing and understanding what those line items are and yeah. asking for that feedback going into it because let me tell you i sat and i looked at that thing and i was like i don't know yeah, let's just throw that number in here and throw that number here here a number there a number and then um, I would just literally be putting in numbers anywhere and be like, oh, well, I think, you know, we might spend this on this and we might complete guessing, complete guessing. Yeah. And then hit the sum at the end and be like, does it all add up? Okay, cool. Here you go. <laughs> and like, but what, I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea. Like I said, I mean, I barely did my own budget, which I mean, I did do one. But it was literally just enough. And I was one of those people like, well, you know, salons are close. You know, I was never the person to be like down to the penny. Like that would drive me nuts. So I'd be like, well, we'll round up to the next like $5 and we'll be good. You know, so but a lot of times in your organizations and things like that, you can't do that because they're looking down to the penny. So it's like if you're never used to doing that, how do you, and especially like you said, yeah. if you're not used to doing it with a smaller budget, now you have this gargantuan thing in front of you and it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? So I really like that. Start looking at the track record from what was happening before and start small. I think that's, that is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And um, it also tells you like looking at that track record tells you what um, it may you know, what may need to be cut out. I mean, so for personal budgets, like a lot of what people see is they do that previous month exercise that I give them, they go down and they say, okay, I'm spending. And what basically what, what I tell them is look at your statement 
and every line item you say, okay, that was restaurant. Okay. That was um, groceries. That was gas. And, and add those up as separate categories. And what a lot of people see is they like, I spent what on restaurants? Like I, I went, like I spent a thousand dollars on eating out and they're, that's like, okay, we can't do that no more. <laughs> and so they'll, you know, I had, I had a, have a client that they would spend $1,200 eating out every month. And it was just like, I, I couldn't think of, I couldn't even fathom that. Um, and so once they saw that though, they were like, well, there's 800 bucks easy. You know, they could save 800 bucks just thinking about it. And so it, it was just that mentality, but they still had the habit of going out to eat. So they had to break that habit somehow. And breaking that habit means, okay, today I don't go out to eat. Today, tomorrow I don't go out to eat. And then, you know, maybe Thursday or Friday I get I go out to eat. And then the next day I don't go out to eat. And then the next, you know, like kind of plan it out. It's like I get, you know, one time a week to go out to eat and kind of start to trickle that back and, and kind of tail that back a little bit. So you, you do the same thing in that big budget, okay? If, if the guy before me was spending – you know, $30,000 on X um, in a year, maybe we don't need to spend $30,000 on that. Maybe we need to spend 10 and he was not paying attention to it. And that's why there's a change of management. So there's, yeah. a, there's a, lot, a lot that goes into that, but it's, it's just breaking it down. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm changing gears back. I'm going back again because there's just like so much good stuff. So I saw somewhere um, you had written down when I thought this was fascinating. And it just really goes back to what you were talking about earlier, communication, because feedback, that's literally all feedback is, is communication. And it's just how it is being communicated. Um, and I saw where you had put something about having um, conversations and the difference between a typical conversation and an honest conversation. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll put it in our paint a picture in my marriage, so to speak. And it was the same, like looking back, it's the same way in the business and same thing. But what, what, what really spoke to me in my marriage was, you know, we, we were, we've been married 10 years and, you know, for the long, for the last, uh, I guess, back up, a little, you know, in, well, while I was still in that job, there was a, a period of time where, you know, I'd go to work, come home, you know, go to bed, do the same thing over and over again. And, and we would talk and I would talk with my wife, we'd talk about the kids, we'd talk about work, we'd talk about what we're doing this weekend and, and that type of thing. And, you know, we'd go on a date every now and then. And, but there was no, oh, I say there's no, so this is the, the kind of story behind it was, you know, we'd talk all day long once I got home and usually I'm the, I'm the talker of the family or the, of the, of the relationship. So I would start talking about work and kids and, you know, what we're doing. And, and then, you know, at the end of the night, she's like, well, we never communicate. We never talk. And I'm just like, like in my, and maybe it's a, a man's thing, man thing, but it was just not clicking for me to say, I just spent, you know, the last two hours talking with you. Like, I don't understand. So after thinking about that, I'm like, okay, there's more to that communication that I'm missing and I'm not seeing what she's wanting. And so by, by kind of diving into that, you know, it was really having that honest communication where, you know, you're diving into speaking your own, your, each other's opinions about more than just the day-to-day stuff. And so, you know, you got to think about what grows your relationship. It's the feedback. It's the communication. Like, how are we doing in this area of our life? How are we, how am I doing in my career? What do you think about my career? Um, you know, what is your perspective of me? So my book on the communication has, um, there's four main um, areas or avenues of communication, but then there's 10 characteristics of that communication that they all play into. So Think about it as a spider web of communication where, you know, honest communication is in the middle. And then you have, you know, four rings of, of these certain avenues of communication. And then there's these diagonal lines that kind of intersect all of those areas that all tie into kind of funnel down into that honest communication or kind of funnel out from that 
if you have honest communication within every relationship you have, you can begin to grow in every relationship that you have. So whether it's career, spouse, um, and strangers, like I, the, the stranger one kind of catches people like, well, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to have a conversation with them, but you know, there's so many conversations that I've had with strangers that, you know, I can see both sides. If I'm not completely open and honest with them, then I don't get anything out of it. But there's a, there's a, there's a um, example in the book of me being on a plane and I sat down next to this guy and we spent half the plane ride and I'm kind of watching this guy and like he's on his computer working and I'm, I'm acting like I'm reading the book, but I'm kind of watching him to see what he's doing. And it kind of caught my attention and he got this calendar out and he's got this like project stuff going. And at the time I was a project manager. And so I'm seeing this happen. I'm like, I'm acting like I'm reading my book, but I'm not reading my book. Um, and so I'm seeing this and, you know, I have that like mental, like, do I say something? Do I ask him what he's doing? Is that nosy? You know, I, like kind of going through that in my head and, I get finally get to the point we got like 20 minutes left in the flight and I was like you know what I'm just gonna ask so I put my book down and I was like well, you know man I'm just curious I you, you piqued my interest it's like what are you working on so he goes into this project management spill and I was like like it kind of opened my eyes like this is awesome because this is what I need right? you know organize it all and go through that so you know we got into a conversation and as the more open and I, honest I was about what I was struggling with the more he was able to give and you know we were able to um I guess give me another outlook another viewpoint on project management and so had I not even had I said hey what are you working on he's like oh I'm project management thing and I'm, and then I left it at that and I'm like okay cool I would have never got anything out of it and so and that goes to us you know that was one example the book is going to be full, full of personal examples of, um, you know, my life and with marriage and career and how a lot of these situations could have played out had I either had I went into deeper conversation with them or had I not, um, or since I didn't, I didn't get much out of it. And, um, or, you know, me and my wife were struggling to connect at a different level and, um, you know, because there was several, several times there it was like, well, we don't even know each other. Like, mm. and, and you hear that a lot, but nobody knows or nobody realizes how to get out of that. And it's really being open and completely honest. I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, we talk about expectations in the book. We talk about trust. We talk about perspective. Like, what is her perspective of me? What is my perspective of her? What is my perspective of myself? And, you know, what is my my expectation of myself? And the whole book begins with self-communication and having an honest conversation with yourself. Like, do you trust yourself? And you kind of go down that road and have to build that before you can build. I mean, just think about it. You can't have a honest conversation with somebody else if you don't trust yourself. Or if you don't, if you can't even have the honest conversation with yourself, then they're not going to be able to do it with your spouse or with anybody else. So um, it just doesn't play out that way. That is phenomenal um, because it is so true. If you are not confident or, tr oh, I love what you said. If you, are not, if you don't trust your own self and if you can't have that honest conversation with yourself, how can you lead somebody else? How can you give honest feedback to somebody if you can't even talk to yourself honestly and everything that you were saying and I love that you brought up the the stranger part because as we manage volunteers right we're getting new volunteers that are coming in all the time and we have to learn them and under and um learn who they are because that the the more we learn and understand who they are the better fit we can match them in the organization and which department that they would thrive in um but all of that comes in through communicating and listening and hearing what they have to say and being honest and asking honest questions and even opening it up and us being honest and almost revealing a part of who we are to get them to be able to do the same. It's almost we have to it's almost like we have to lead by example and start that communication. Absolutely. And um, 
And I love that you like you took that chance and you would have never gotten something that you needed because you were just going to let it go. And I'm always, always harping on find a mentor, find somebody who is not in it, like whatever you are in, like not in the situation who is standing on the outside looking in to help give you guidance, to help help you see a different perspective because yeah. when you're in it and you're in the weeds, you can't see any of that. And it could take somebody like yeah. three seconds to just look over and be like, hey, the light switch is just like three inches higher. And you're like, I've been looking for it for an hour. And you're like, can I just go a little bit? You know, and it's just, it's amazing what somebody, when you're not caught up in it, when somebody's standing on the outside looking in, how they can help guide you. But again, that also comes from not being afraid to ask for that feedback to ask. And so, okay, so let me, let me, let's go here. Okay. Asking for feedback, right? Um, do you think there is a difference between how females respond to it and how males respond to it, right? So, because I'm sitting here like, oh, you should ask for feedback. And I got to tell you, sometimes um, somebody will say something and like my feelings are just hurt, right? And then I go back and I tell my fiance and he was like, what's what's the problem? And I'm like, but, but, but. And it's like literally the same words, but I know sometimes I will take it much more personal. Do you think it's just a makeup of who we are? Like, I don't know. I'm totally putting your spot. I know you're not a psychologist, but you're a, but you're a man. So tell me, I don't know. <laughs> And I don't think it's necessarily just a female versus male thing. Like I, I wouldn't segregate them in, in two separate paths, but um, I think it's, it, like you said, it's a makeup of who we are and how we respond. So, you know, one of the, one of the challenges that me and my wife have is I'm a very direct person. So when I speak, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak directly and she's very um, a total opposite. And so, but when I, when I speak, I speak direct. And so that's not what, how she needs to, how she wants me to speak to her. And so, you know, like, and I, I've always been, I struggled with empathy. Like I say, I say I've struggled with empathy in, in the sense of I can, I can understand, but I, it's hard for you to get people to make them feel like you and you feel how they're feeling, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. And so, you know, with, um, in, in regards to that communication with your spouse, like there's a lot of that, um, you know, my perspective of her, of, you know, the way she responds. And so sometimes when I say something and she gets mad at it, it's like, okay, what was the problem? Was it the way I said it or was it the way she heard it? And so how do you, you know, how do you determine that? Like, well, I could have said it different. Yeah. But she could have heard it different too. Like she could have not went to that assumption of, you know, I was trying to attack her. I was being mean or like, cause, but then that's where, that's where trust falls in. It's like, do you trust me? If you trust me, then you know that I'm not out to get you. And so I'm not just sitting there trying to attack you. It's just, I'm not saying it in the right words and you're taking it in the wrong way. And so I don't know that it's a, a segregated like one way or this way. I think it's a personality stance and, and everybody's different. That's the whole challenge between communication. Like you're, and that's the challenge between a, a leader in a, a, a you know private organization or a volunteer is you have to struggle with that and try and figure out you know how does this person respond and I think that's why if you get past that five to seven person that you're managing ah. you lose it um, and volunteers um I mean you you probably know this just as well as I do but. When you're a volunteer, you not you don't usually just do five or seven because the budget doesn't call for seventeen managers for all you know hundred people. It's you got you know two managers for a hundred people, and so you don't have that time to really connect with people. And I think that's what we're missing a lot of times is that connection. That is so powerful. Yes, because that connection will build trust, and then. When, so if I ask a volunteer, like, how did it go? Because our trust level has been built up. 
even if they say something that might have come off or seemed a little harsh, I know them well enough to know that, like you said, they're not trying to attack me. That's just their personality. They could just be direct, like you were saying, and they're just saying what it is and moving on about their business. And that I know not to take that so personally. But if yeah. I haven't built that connection, if I haven't fostered that relationship, you know, I'm just, go you know, if it's somebody that I only talk to like once every three months. I'm going to feel like they're just coming at me when that's not even the case. That could just be their personality and vice versa. If I say yeah. something to them and they don't really know me that well, they might think I'm always attacking or trying to be like nitpicking when they don't really know me well enough to know that I would never do anything like that. And I'm just, I'm saying it out of love. I'm saying it out of care. I'm saying it out of, because of the fact that I want us all to grow and be better. I think that is huge. And I think um, we, that is, I, I feel like you have just posed a challenge to me because in many organizations, the volunteer manager is the only one. And I know you said maybe two, but sometimes it's not even that like, um, I was just, I just saw the, a post the other day based off of a post that I did. And this lady had said that she, um, it was three people in her department and they managed 1500 volunteers in three different states. And that's normal. That's typical. My right? Volunteer yeah. managers are normally a department of one and they are managing, like I myself managed three to 400. Um, have I built a relationship with all? I sure haven't. And I can guarantee you the ones that I haven't built that relationship with are going to view me and view my words differently than those who I have, even though I'm saying the exact same thing. So I have just taken on the challenge of how can I be better about doing that, right? Um, even if it means it's one phone call a day for 365 days, that might be what it takes. Is that reality? Probably not. But yeah. I can't let that be an excuse. I cannot let the number of people that I manage and the busyness of my life be an excuse not to figure out a way to connect with my team and build that trust. Because at the end of the day, that is what's going to help move the organization forward. Whew, man, you got yeah. me. You got me. absolutely. <laughs> you it's, got me. I mean, it's a it's a big mountain to climb, though. I mean, it, it's there's not going to be a an arrival type thing. Like it's going to be you're going to ebb and flow through this this process and and figure out. I mean, how how to make it work the best way. But you can't expect to be perfect in it either. And so you're gonna you're gonna mess up and not get close enough to this person or not get you know th that trust is going to be it. But you got to put things in place or try to that can help prevent um, this lack of communication. Even if it is like you on paper, you are the manager of 25 or 30 or 50 people, um, maybe start to, you know, find those people that are in that group and say, who can be a kind of a sub manager within that group and say, Hey, I need to mentor them. So, and then they pick, you know, five or 10 people underneath them and start to mentor that process all the way down even though on paper it's one and 25 or 50 underneath, there's no hierarchy within those 50 people, but you can always find the people that are a little more leadership minded and kind of start to run that down. See if you can't improve that communication through that process. I love that. I, I do. I, I'm going to, oh, what, it's going to be a goal. And then like, I'm going to write you my list. I'm going to be like, Zach, look, we did it. Man, I am encouraged. I am encouraged by that. A new perspective. So just, man. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm really over here because my brain is like going like this, but that is phenomenal. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So I have three more questions for you. Number one, um, has there been any piece of feedback from anybody, your wife, a boss, a child that just like helped you grow in any way, shape or form 
um, for example, a, a past guest that I had, her son was in like kindergarten and she had gone to the, she had, um, gone to the class to do something and they were supposed to be doing like these little games and competitions and everybody who won the game got a gift but then afterwards everybody in the class got a gift and her son was like mom you can't give everybody a gift because then it takes away from the person who won and she was like but i don't want anybody to be unhappy and he was like but mom you can't make everybody happy like at five years old she was like whoa you know so i mean is there has anything like that ever happened to you <laughs> Maybe not from a five-year-old. Well, I, I have a five-year-old, but um, and they open my eyes to a lot of things um, every day. But I think the one that, that stands out to me, or and it came from both from two sides, which is what like someone hit me from the right and someone hit me from the left. And so, you know, from a from a business standpoint, I was told that you know I don't I don't I don't do empathy well. I, I don't um, listen to people's um, situations. And I was like, whatever, you're, you're just, you know, you're not, I just, I just blew it off. I was like, I don't care. Um, and then, you know, I started talking to my wife about it and she was like, yeah, you don't do that very well. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so it was like just a explosion of like, where did my self, you know, self image go? <laughs> um, so is that, that was a big thing. And I think that's, I mean, that started probably, you know, two years ago, I guess, two, two to three years ago, and probably started this whole, like, you know, where, you know, why, why do I feel like I do listen well, but she doesn't, and where there's a lack of communication there, like, we're not communicating what I feel to her, so that she understands that I understand her, and so there's that, you know, and that was the, even in the business side, too, like, my guys, I told them all the time, I was like, hey, if you all have a problem, y'all want to change something, come talk to me. Well, they didn't want to do that because they knew I, I, I'm very direct. I'm very prideful in what I do, very passionate. And so they took that passion as, as almost arrogance or, you know, if I, if they come talk to me, I'm going to tear them down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut them down and not really listen to what they have to say. Um, and, but I can think of a lot of instances where, they came up with an idea and we went, we, we ran with it and it worked and it was great. Um, but they only see the ones that, you know, are the bad ones that I tore, I tore down and maybe I tore them down based off past experiences because I was in the field doing it. I did it and I know why this doesn't work, but just that communication barrier was there. And so I, you know, when, when they told me that and when my wife told me that it was just like, why is there, this misunderstanding, like, I didn't think I was that bad. Like, I'm not that bad, am I? <laughs> um, but realizing that there is some level that I can do to help that. And so that was really the, I think, the eye-opener that made me start thinking about, hey, you know, is the way I say something coming across wrong? And are there, and are they hearing it wrong at the same time? And so how do we merge those two where, they start to hear it a little bit differently. I start to say it a little bit differently. Like we're both wrong and both right at the same time. So there's no, it's not a, I'm right, you're wrong. It's we're both wrong. We're both right at, at a little bit. And so one important part of my book that I don't know that I've actually mentioned yet, but is iron sharpens iron. And so you have this conversation of, as you're having that conversation, like you, you if you have an idea Shave, shave some of it off over here, shave some of, of off, some of off over here, and you create a new product, a new idea or whatever that is. So that's the idea between, especially in a team or a volunteer spaces, use ideas to bounce, you know, bounce off each other. And no one's got to have the, the one idea and you have to run with their idea. Like let's merge them and make one better idea um, with, 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 between the team. And so I think that's what started me on that process was both of those avenues. Like I was getting hit by, you don't listen very well. You don't listen to people. You don't have empathy for people. And it's kind of one of those, like, you don't, you know, you don't pay attention to something that, you, that you're not good at until like four or five people tell you you're not good at it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the one I can think of off the top of my head, but the big one anyway. I love that. Uh, specifically 
because it ties back into what we were talking about earlier, that trust factor. Because your guys were like, yo, you don't listen. And you're like, whatever. And you're like, okay, clearly, like, you don't listen. But then when you went home and told your wife and she said the same thing, it was like, it's it clicked. Yeah. As that level of trust is also there. And maybe yeah. had that level of trust been built more with them, you might have heard it easier or earlier or better or more welcome to it. Um, but when it was reinforced by your wife and I just, it just goes back to everything that you've been saying, like communication is very much based in trust and that level of trust can change how people hear what you were saying and how, like what you're saying. I mean, that is like phenomenal. So, so I have to ask then when they both said that, like, what did you do? Did you, did you like Google how to become more empathetic and listen better? Like, like how did, like, what did you, like, how did you respond to that? You I mean, wrote the book? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I started looking at books and I, I'm a big reader. So I was like, oh yeah, I got to figure out this leadership, this, you know, I got to figure out this, this issue. And so I can't remember if there was a specific book that I really, that I was drawn to, but I know there was a there's a couple podcasts that I listened to at the time and I can't name them off the top of my head, but um, one of them stuck with me and I put I put the caption on my on the background of my phone and I put seek to understand before being understood, which made me just kind of every time I looked at my phone, I looked at it, I saw it. I was like, OK, I need to hear people before I try and give my opinion or my perspective or whatever. Um, and so that was the big, I think that was a big thing I started doing. And then I tried to control my mouth a little more, <laughs> um, try not to talk so much and, and let people speak their opinions. So especially with my wife, like I don't give her enough time to speak her opinion. And so she just got to the point where she didn't want to. And cause I would always overpower the conversation. And so there's, there's a story in the book about, um, how I, you know, we were tra- traveling on the road one time. And so I started into this deep conversation and, and she didn't she, like, she had no idea we were going to have this conversation. And, you know, she was like, man, I feel like, why do we always have these conversations in the truck or in the car? And she's like, she feels, she felt trapped into that conversation. I was like, it's just where it's the easiest spot. We're right next to each other. The kids are either napping or, you know, doing something else. And so it was just that, mentality was I never thought about her feeling trapped in that situation so I kind of got on a on a rabbit trail there but that's that was the mindset before and like I said I can't think of one book or one thing but it was just a combination of me going on this personal growth um you know binge watching or listening type thing or reading like you know at one point I had a goal of reading 24 books in a year which is not much by some CEO standards, like they'll read one a week. And I'm like, where do you have the time? <laughs> um, but that's the, so that was the kind of that push of me fig- trying, I got to figure out where, I think that was the self-awareness that I had to find out, like, where, where am I? And what do I think about myself? Cause I didn't have that perspective on myself. Like, and that's a, that's, the one key area is your that self-awareness. Do you have awareness of who you are, how you respond, how you talk? You know, are you a talker? Are you a quiet person? Like all of those personality things, like, do you know anything about yourself um, so that you can start to connect and, and communicate with others? Oh, that's great. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Cause I mean, and I know a lot of the references you're like talking um, about like you and your wife, but all I'm hearing, and it's like how I'm hearing it, right. is just in relation to my volunteers and the conversations that I have with them. And am I listening to them? Am I trying to, am I trying to, um, be understood instead of trying to understand where they're coming from? I mean, I just, I'm just hearing like, I'm just picturing all the conversations that I'm having with them. And I'm like, man, man, like, this is all really, really good stuff, man. This was good. This is good. All right. So go ahead. One more thing I wanted to mention, like the one thing that you got to kind of realize is that, you know, the trust that you have with your spouse or the conversations you have with your spouse, how does that affect your conversations with your team? So 
if you wake up one morning and y'all have a complete disaster of a conversation, but you got to go, you have to go to work. Now you're already angry. You're already at this level, high level of, of anger or aggravation. And now you're taking it out on your, your guys or your team. And that's blowing the communication at that point. And so, you know, you say something and they're not listening. And so then the job doesn't get done or, you know, domino effect all the way down and then back. Um, and so there you gotta, I think that's kind of where the book starts to try and tie in. Like, how does this affect this and this affect this and how does it all tie together? And, um, like you just, it, it's emotions and they run, they run wild. So you gotta be careful where, what you say, when you say it and all that kind of stuff. So, ah, oh, that is so good. Because in my case, because I've um, been a single mom most of my life, so and not necessarily the spouse, but that preteen or teenage girl, those conversations before going on to work, probably not always the best. And having to make sure yeah, I manage absolutely. that before I see anybody, because, you know, we're not going to talk <laughs> about that, because she's grown out of it, yeah. and she's grown into a beautiful young woman, and, you know, yes. So we're, we're, we're going to stay there. <laughs> okay, Zach. This has been so great. You've dropped so many nuggets. I cannot thank you enough for being here and spending um, time and sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us. Um, tell me how, or not necessarily me, but tell our audience how they can reach out to you. Maybe they want some, um, some budget coaching or something, because I know I sure needed it. And I could have show you that I could probably still use it, but how can they reach out to you? How can they find you like social media, et cetera? How can they find you? Absolutely. So we're, I mean, we're on all the, most of the social media, the Instagram and Facebook are the, my main two right now. Um, I, I'm trying to focus on Facebook for the time being, but so I've got a lot going on there. So if you want social media, check, check out um, Facebook and go to my website is aafinancialcoaching.com. Thank you again, Zach. And thank you to all of you who tuned in today. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you come back. If you're loving it, just go ahead and continue to click the subscribe button, tell your friends, share it on all the social media platforms because feedback is something that we all have to deal with every day and we can learn to grow from it. So I want to say thank you again for coming and tuning in and listening to From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, the Good, the Bad, and the Say What? I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.